one to Real Life, Real Equity with your host Justin and the lovely Keisha Brooks. Say hello everyone. Hey and welcome everybody. Our goal is to share with you real life examples of entrepreneurs who are winning in both life and business. As real estate investors, our mission is to model, educate, and inspire you to act by sharing easy to implement tools, ideas, and information to add more worth to your net worth, more cash to your cash flow, helping you achieve your goals in less time. And we'll do that right after this commercial break. Are you part of the club? The Real Equity Club is a group of like-minded individuals. The club's purpose is to help create more wealth for its members. The mission of the club, to help you increase your passive income and net worth. The club is completely free to you. When you join, you will receive the tools, providers, and ideas you need to create, grow, and maintain your wealth. So join the club now at realequityclub.com to gain access. Or send us an email to info at realequityclub.com. That's info at realequityclub.com equityclub.com. We want to see you succeed in business and in life. So go to the website at realequityclub.com and join now. All right, all right, all right. Welcome back, everybody. Our guest today is a national keynote speaker, a business and life coach who has empowered thousands of people to improve their lifestyles by raising the awareness on how to pivot the subconscious stories that inhibit change. As the owner of Pivot to Change, he is a licensed behavioral coach and NLP practitioner. He continues to guide individuals toward a better future through his life-transforming seminars, coaching, and consulting. I want to give a warm welcome to our guest today, Julian and his wife, Sandy Sato. Welcome to the podcast, y'all. Hi. Hello. Hello. Let's get started. Um, let's talk about your background. I read a little bit about your story. Very interesting story. So kind of give us the starting point of where you got started and then how you got to where you are today. Well, yeah, it's a pretty long story. We only have a few minutes, right? So uh, make it make it shorter. Um, I met my wife when I was actually teaching kickboxing in Los Angeles. Prior to that, I was a talent agent, left the entertainment industry as a talent agent, and started for whatever reason started teaching boxing. So long story behind it, but being a you know celebrity trainer, working in uh, at health clubs, hiring people to work for me, and, um, and then I met uh, Jim Rohn and through you know just a few conversations with him, and then getting involved in this in the mind space of how the mind works and learning about that and in that process i ended up i would say experimenting on different ways of communicating with my employees and coming up with a program that really helped me understand me but i found out there were more people like me i mean there was a lot of employees who live to make money but are miserable in the space you know they go home and watch tv and wake up and do the same thing over and over and it's almost like uh, zombie-like. And uh, wow. I started working on people's dreams. And in the sense of doing that, I ended up working on my own dreams. And it, that's how I ended up dividing my business life and work and became uh, the pivot change guy, using boxing as an allegory to get people to learn how to grow and change their lives. Talk a little bit about neuro-linguistics programming, because I think with your pivot to change and how you talk to yourself, that was one of the things that we had talked about before, NLP, if you would. Talk a little bit about that and then talk about what really is your why behind the whole NLP. Yeah, so neurolinguistic programming is really more about the language you say out loud, but I focus more on the subconscious language, like the language you feel to yourself. Like you and I talked, you know, I'm, I'm a diverse person. I grew up in an African-American community. I'm black, basically, but I look Hispanic, right? And then I married a Hispanic. You know? So, so wow. anything, we tend, we tend to look Hispanic. So people speak to us in Spanish all the time or people assume. And when I say I'm black, people who are African-American, people will look at me and go, really? You know, it's almost this confusion. 
My neurolinguistic programming is thinking about the word choices you give yourself. So when I walk into a room, what am I saying to myself? What are the language I am throwing into me as I see the environment I step into? Am I feeling empowered? Am I feeling insecure? Am I feeling judgmental? Or am I feeling like I'm being judged? Is that changing the way that I respond and react to that environment? So neurolinguistic programming tells you you know, basically, if you say, I have to go do this, or I need to go do that, I don't like this environment because of, it's the language you're giving yourself. And so it, it actually invokes the feeling even greater. It actually makes it that much greater for you. It's like hmm. saying, I want to buy a red car, and all of a sudden you see red cars everywhere, because you're now focusing on the thing that you're thinking about. And right. so that's what NLP is. I, I teach people to think about what they're really thinking about, not what they're telling you you're thinking about, but what is actually going on inside. And I use the backdrop of childhood, pivotal moments that dictate who you are and how that tra travels through your life life of being an adult. You know, I, I feel like we never change from sixth grade. We just change clothes and we're a little taller and bigger and, yeah. and you know, we don't live on a playground, but we're still living the same emotions, if you will. And, you know, and that's kind of where I go with it when I coach and when I teach in seminars, I really want to get into the heart of the real issues, but I want to get people to really be in control of the fact nothing exists except this moment and you don't have to live in the past. You live by creating what you want to create now and you are anything you want to be. And it's not your right. color, it's not your time, it's not anything else. It's just what you choose to choose to think right now versus any other time. So right. you want to add to that? She helps me clarify what I'm trying to say sometimes. I have all my brains <laughs> like this coming in from all different angles. I have no road. I have just field. It just all comes together. But no, I think that's a, that's one of the more powerful dynamics. And that's why I wanted to make sure that I had both of you on today. Um, there's always something powerful about you right. and, and being in agreement on something. And so we love highlighting entrepreneurs, but we really love highlighting entrepreneur couples who have been through the ups and downs together because it's not all sunshines and unicorns and rainbows and happiness. You know, it's, it's, this is a roller coaster ride of entrepreneurship. And just listening to your story and... At one point, you said that you had to reset everything, even with your family, in order to get on the path you are now. How did you, Sandy, reset your thought process during this journey? Um, well, you know, there's a comfort to the way we were prior to being the entrepreneurs that we are today. And the comfort I think most people can familiarize themselves with, which is having that income that is guaranteed through what they call a paycheck. Right. Um, and so for me as a spouse to, you know, we relied on that and having to switch my brain to, okay, now we're going to create the money <laughs> and not wait for that paycheck. So I think for me, I think it was something that I had to make sure that I was supporting him with his dreams, supporting, you know, the idea of pivot to change and buying into the journey. Um, I always tell Julian, you know, it's not so much the destination, but it's the journey and how you handle the journey. And so that's another thing wow, that I neurolinguistically like to tell myself as we are creating a new story. And, and to your point, it, it, there are definite ups and downs. And it does, you know, put an interesting stress. It can put a stress on the relationship. Um, that goes without saying. We're both human and we both have emotions. And so I think that, you know, it's making sure that we are aligned, you know, mentally. Right. I can definitely relate. Learning to get out of your comfort zone has also brought prosperity for us and abundance for us. Our agreement has been more powerful now than it was when I was working and stressed out and thinking 
well, we got to make this much money to meet this goal. And now, like you said, we're learning to make the money ourselves. The creative juices is flowing and it really has caused a bigger outcome than ever before. Right. I agree. I agree. Now you all mentioned something that you know, I think it's very interesting. Did you all start out together as entrepreneurs uh, running down the same road? You know, I know a lot of times when we talk to other couples, it's always a scenario of, and I think we were this way too. There was a scenario of, you know, one person's going and the other person's supporting. And then mm-hmm. there's a, a shift that can happen and the other, and it doesn't matter. It could be the husband or the wife, uh, but one spouse actually gets on board and then they really take off. So were you all together the whole time as far as agreement and entrepreneurship and building business together? Um, I would say absolutely not. <laughs> I, would say I would say 130, 150% no. Um, and here's the thing. It's like, normally when you get married, your your personality changes, your priorities change, you know, you have kids, so you change. And because of that, the whole dynamics of the relationship is different than when you first started. So when I met Sandy, I was an entrepreneur. I was, you know, had my own business, basically. I had employees all over California and gyms paid me, I paid them. I had meetings every quarter, every month or so. I tried to meet everyone and teach them new skills, talk about what worked. I was organically being a leader and I've never been trained to do that. It was just something that I naturally did at my age. Now, when I met Sandy, her background, you know, she was going to UCLA and she was studying to become a doctor. But at the same time, her focus was doing that out of the fear of that's what she was supposed to do. So how she grew up was, I I need to go to school. I need to get a degree. I need to do what I'm supposed to do. That's what I'm doing. I'm just going to do that. I was a survivor. I grew up in the streets. And so I didn't have a family. She had a family. So when she met me, she became a housewife. And I was trained by the church, and I'm not putting them down, but that's how they believed that the wife stays home, takes care of the kids, so they homeschool, right. and you go to work and you provide for the family. So yeah. we changed in a matter of marriage, we, our whole personalities changed. Then from there, my dysfunction of not feeling content, not feeling happy, and not feeling, I feel like I was missing something, I lost myself. Through that trial, she learned to change too. She had to adjust to what she was brought up to be. So I think. You know, life is about adjustments and adaptability and experiences. And those experiences gives you new perspective. And that is what actually happens in, in marriage. And we forget that. We think things are supposed to be, like you said, you know, uh, rainbows because now we're married. And there is no big end. It's just continuation of something new. And that's that's I think today with our business now, this is probably the first time in 22 years that we've been aligned mm-hmm. in a professional way. Yeah. And so I, I think that who we were before, I don't know that the business would have worked, yeah, to be very right. honest. There's a lot of insecurity. There was a, I don't think he was being true to who he was mm-hmm. during that time. Um, I know I was still discovering myself. But I think for the first time in our many years, a couple of decades now, marriage, we finally are aligned yeah. and seeing the same vision and ha- are on the same road, same path. Mm-hmm. Um, and then his his weaknesses are my strengths and vice versa. So we're discovering that. That's another thing you have to learn, learn how to work together, you know, and balance each other. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah. Yeah, it sounds funny. I use the story of, um, you know, in the Bible, it talks about love. But we have one word for love. It's love. But in the <laughs> biblical times, you know, there's three different definitions of love. There's phileo, agape, and there's uh, eros love, which is erotic love. The phileo mm-hmm. love is the 
is the love that really is about the common goal, having a goal. And that's really what, got, you know, marriage is about, it's about phileo love, having a common goal together to get to a destination, get to a journey together. So people in the Aquarian days got married for the purpose of the wife could cook, the man could hunt. I didn't care what you look like. As long as you can hunt and bring in the food, I can cook it. We can survive. That's our common goal. Now we have modern society. We don't need that type of mentality, but we still need it in a business mentality. We need to know where each other's strengths are and be able to apply those strengths and not hold them accountable to holding onto the things we want them to have, but knowing that the strengths they have is what we need to survive and, and just literally being okay in that. And I think that's where we've learned. Um, what's not said is that, you know, Sandy's had cancer twice. And in that process, I would say in those situations, both times, we were already at a point where we were at a tipping point in our marriage where we were wondering if this is supposed to work or not, if we're supposed to be together. And a lot of it had a lot to do with stress from the kids and, and work and all the other idiosyncrasies. But when you're faced with a situation like that, you realize what's really important is the commitment towards that relationship. When you can accept somebody, that's when you really start growing. And that's really what we, you know, we try to instill now in our, in our business. So what would be one key element that you would share with the audience that would benefit them if they're at that point where they're kind of weighing the fence, trying to figure out how do I pursue going forward with my partner at this point in time? Because I think that's an obstacle that many entrepreneur couples face. I know we face right, that for yeah. sure. So what would yeah. be like one key element you would share um, to help them to decide on whether this is right or wrong? Because I, I would say also they could agree that maybe just one of them is the entrepreneur while the other one is just supporting them. Maybe that works for their dynamic or, you know, how do you get that person on board if that would work better? Because it might even save a marriage. Mm -hmm. right. <laughs> you know, the key, element, the key element to me is, I would say for me personally, I can't say it's for everyone, stop looking for approval from your spouse. Mm. And, you know, your commitment is the driving force that's going to convince them that this is what you should be doing. Because I think a lot of times we look to each other for that head nod, like, okay, I understand. And a lot of times your spouse won't understand because you by consciously, you've adapted, you found somebody who is opposite of you in so many ways because they fill in voids you have. So for instance, my wife's very detailed. I'm not detailed. She's very methodical with finances. I'm not. So if I want to go buy something and she says, well, you know, I don't know if you can, we can afford that. We might want to wait until next month. I might say something, well, why? I mean, I could die next month. Why wait? And I might <laughs> see that she's disapproving of my wanting to do something and becomes an argument. So the goal is really not to look for approval, but just know if you know in your heart you're supposed to be doing something, stay committed to that and be empathetic to their concerns. But at the same time, don't change your emotions strictly because they don't see it yet. It takes time. It's not a two-hour movie. It takes time for someone to adjust and to believe in what you do. The only way they're really going to believe it is when you're so committed that no matter who looks at you and gives you the think eye, you don't, you don't quit. And that's really what they're looking for. Once you're assured of who you are and what you're trying to do, you win people over in that way. And I think that's what people tend to do. We look at our spouse and we're waiting for that approval. Mm -hmm. And we misguide, we get confused with that concern as disapproval. And it's not disapproval, this might just be concern. I think that's a, a hard question to answer. Because I, I, I don't know what key element for others would work to get them to move forward. You know, I, I think that's what the question was, right? When you're kind of balancing right. on, should we do this? Should we not do this? 
and it's such a hard question because every couple is so different. And to right. my point earlier, we could have never done taken the leap back a few years ago that we're trying to do now. We just weren't aligned. You know, kind of like going off of what he's saying, there has to be an alignment between mm. the two couples. I think you have to understand that you have to balance each other out. It's going to be really hard to transfer that into a business and you guys have to be strong. You have to be aligned as a couple to get past that discomfort right. to get right. to the other to the other side. So that's, yeah, that's a great question. So I think you hit on something really key there and it was alignment. I think that uh, when, when me and Keisha got started and you know, we're just like you all, we didn't get started together. I was running, 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 trying to convince her to work with me because I'm, I'm <laughs> we're the same way. Like I'm, I'm totally opposite of her. She's organized. She's real good at, you know, a little people don't know, but I'm very introverted. I'm not a person who likes to get out there and talk. She can talk to anybody. She'll be in the line at the grocery store, start talking to somebody. So we're very much opposites. I think alignment was key with us and um, you all hit it right on the head. And I, I think, I'm, you know, I'm going to make a shameless plug for um, what the real estate guys do every year, they do a create your future goals retreat. And I think that's when we really got in alignment together. We went out together, flew out to San Diego and we got our goals written down on paper. And then we shared our goals and we figured out where we could align our goals together and move forward. So you all hit it on the head um, as far as alignment is concerned. Now with with that being said, I'd like to do a, uh, a quick transition and kind of look at some of the things in your business. Let's talk about Pivot to Change and let's talk about what you're doing, uh, some of the things you're actively working on in your business and uh, give us a little bit of detail that you want our audience to know about. Well, Pivot to Change is, it has a few different elements. So one, I, you know, teaching seminars is the thing I love to do. I like educating people using neuroscience neuro-linguistic programming and behavioral coaching to get people more aware of their own subconscious thoughts. That's the little thing. That's my little thing. I, I just love to do it. Uh, but also what I do is what I call a professional employee organization, which is a PEO, PEO um, for companies and teams. And so a lot of times we get conditioned and comfortable with the training we've been through, and then we go out and, and go after it. But you know, there's a fact that, you know, companies can't afford training. So what I do is go in quarterly, monthly, and I use new, new science, new discoveries, and also data from other companies I work with and develop training around the business for them. So, uh, for instance, I have a company I'm working with now who is there, you know, they, I go in once a month and I'll up train, I'll do a workshop, find out what the, the pain points are, what are some of their obstacles, who's performing and who's not. I'll do an assessment of that and then I'll develop some training around that and teach the ones that are almost at the cusp of doing better and get them upskilled and also work with the HR to help them understand how to coach people out or in. And mm -hmm. that just gives them the freedom to keep that money in house versus having someone on a full time payroll staff and having to pay them when they're only doing training some month or so. So those are two things. And then the other thing is I do personal coaching. So I work with C suite, meaning executives and, you know, salespeople because we all are getting our habits and what we do is look in our village. Like, you know, the real estate guys, they, you know, they have a, a way of doing things, but it's working for some, but it's not working for the majority. And a lot of times we find the habits that make us comfortable and we stick to those habits. So I coach people to break those habits and I give them exercises that make them get out of those habits and get them to the next level. Because like Sandy and I were talking about just this morning, for many years, I had a comfort zone of 
surviving. That's what I grew up with. I grew up as a child surviving. And so I would work my butt off just to survive, but never go past that line. And it got, it got to a point where as long as I was surviving, I was totally comfortable. And so I tell people see how they get they zone off when they reach a certain goal, but they never get to the next level because subconsciously they feel like they've achieved it. And so they, they kind of sit back and, you know, eat bonbons and watch TV because they're like, <laughs> yeah, they get complacent. I kind of focused on cha- challenging people in their comfort zone. So the coaching is one, the seminars, and then the PEO for, for teams and companies. And that's what okay. uh, the change does. Now, you, you mentioned you help people to pivot, to really take action and to change how they're thinking about certain things. What is uh, an actual action item that we could take? Because I've seen you in action. I've seen what you do, and I was taking notes furiously the whole time. What are a couple of things that you can give to our audience to help them change their mindset? Say, you know, there is a sales guy or for us in the investment world, uh, fundraising or going out there and, and investing in property, having to sell a prospective uh, seller on why we're the perfect buyer for them. What are some things that we can do to help us change and pivot our mindset that you can share with us today? Well, you know, one thing I always tell people is to stop saying I have to go do, I need to go do. Taking the concept of need versus choose is a huge energy shift in the person's body. So if I say I need to call some people to try to get some investors to work with me, the fact that you're telling yourself you have, you need to do this, this is a need, you're putting your mental space in a corner, which gives you more stress and makes you feel like an urgency versus a conversation versus a, a thing that you're choosing to do because you believe in what you're doing. Um, that's a huge part of uh, development of the mind space because the subconscious is being exposed, even though we don't think it is. People pick up your energy if they don't, if you don't like something or if you're not comfortable with something. One of the things I do is every stress you have, you should be saying, well, this is what I'm struggling about and I love it because it's, it's growing me because that's making you understand that this is not an easy process, but you're embracing the challenge of it not being easy. And what happens is we are sold how easy things are. You know, if you right. put it in perspective, if you put a big view of everything we're seeing on TV and everything you see on Facebook about even multifamily properties, we're trying to get you to see this is not rocket science. You can do this. This is one, two, three. And you're like, they didn't tell me this. And so all of a sudden you're feeling maybe, maybe it's me. Maybe something's wrong with me. And to realize that it isn't you, it's just the nature of the business is to sell you on it. But now you got to get in the truth and you got to tell yourself, I love the fact that it's not easy because that means it's going to be worth it. You know, so just changing your words, thoughts, and, and really making sure you kind of talk yourself through this every day is the first step. From there, I find the, the niches that resonate with you from childhood. I go into your, what I call the demo, determine emotional memory output. Like what is your emotional memory that you recall every time you step in to make a phone call? Like what are the fears? What are the triggers that, that get you going with that? And so I just want people to start getting in depth of themselves and know themselves better than anything else. And so those are just a few things I can take away. Other than that, I'll charge you for the rest. <laughs> now you you said uh you mentioned demo determined emotional memory output right yes uh-huh. so how long does it take and i'm asking this for a very specific reason we have and you mentioned it earlier we have this uh societal thing where it in two hours in a movie this guy can go from broke to completely successful multimillionaire. i mean i can name hundreds of movies where, you know, there's always a fairy tale happy ending where, you know, the hero goes on this epic journey and then 
all of a sudden amazingly comes out unscathed and super successful. But, it, you know, we're conditioned for it to be like this microwave culture. So in all reality, because we like to keep it real, what does a typical client, what's their typical timeline? There is no timeline. And that's what's interesting about it. And this is a misconception we all have about um, life. We're conditioned to think that there is an end result to everything we're doing. And there's no such thing. It's just the journey. It's the alchemist as a whole. If you think about it, it's the journey. There is no end result. This is a work in progress. My goal is not to get mm -hmm. you to an end result. The goal is to get you to recognize how to recognize. And then if I can get you to recognize how to recognize, then you're on your own journey and you become like me and you help others do the same thing. It is a continual process. And I would say the, the downfall of movies is that your subconscious does not know the difference between real and fake. And so as we mm -hmm. see these things, we started assuming that that's what we're supposed to be. I remember when I was growing up in the 80s, you know, rap videos came out and we see, you know, LL Cool J driving in the car, leaning to the side. Next thing I know, I'm driving in my car and I'm leaning to the side because <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm imitating the art that I saw and I tried to emulate that. The reality is we try to emulate these two-hour movies, as you will, and we, you just can't. You have to remind yourself, you know, life is not about uh, getting to some hammock on the beach because once I'm there, I'm going to have to use the bathroom and get off the hammock eventually. So it's right. never going to stick. It's never going to stick. So what I try to do is just get people to understand themselves, how to think and not be zombie-like and not be reaction reactionary to the things that they experience, not be upset because someone looked at you funny, not mm -hmm. take it personal because you walk into a room because everybody's taller than me, you know, and that was me for many years because my cousins were all taller than me and darker than me. And I felt like, you know, I just don't blend. And so walking into rooms saying, do I blend? That's because of my past, not because of where I am now. So getting people that recognize these little nuances that we carry through our life that hinder us from really seeing what's there. And so my goal is to make people more uh, clear, make their eyes open the veil of their eyes, basically about what life is. And it's an experience. And I think I said that when I saw you in one of the sessions, life is an experience. It's not a problem because six weeks from now, you describe your problem as an experience. You tell right. people what you experience. So everything is an experience because once you're done, you'll look back going, I can never experience that as a human ever again. You know, this is what I'm experiencing as a human, but I'm a spiritual being by nature. So live it, live spiritually in a, in a physical form. And wow. that's when you really live. And so that's the key. Okay. So you're just really shifting the thinking of the clients. So they still have right. those memories of what has taken place, but they're shifting in a different dynamic to understand it differently. Right. Experiences and drama we've all faced. Everyone faces them. Ours is different because it's our book. It's our wording and it's our cover. It's our drawing that we, if you will, but everyone experiences the exact same emotions across the planet. You know, fear, love, anger, depression. Every human has experienced the exact emotions you have experienced. And so understanding that's really it. It's an experience of emotions that we can never feel. Um, we don't have time to deal with a spirit, but we do as humans. So what does that feel like? Well, it makes me afraid that I don't have enough time to do dot, dot, dot. So right. mm -hmm. you realize that's a human experience. Now that I fear this, how can I have some power as a spiritual being in a physical form to get past that fear? And that once you learn how to do that, you realize the journey is the goal. It, there is no end. It, it, living your journey is the only way 
you're really going to be happy. It's like the story of Moby Dick. You know, you're end up throwing the whale back in the water because you realize there is no goal. There is no end result to this. It's, I have to chase something. That's what makes me feel alive. I chase personal growth because I was damaged so much as a child that I learned that I can change it. I don't need a church. I don't need a seminar. I don't need a person. I just need me to recognize all the things that they say. And I can learn everything they learn, and I can do everything they do. And so that's really what growth is. As you can tell, I like to speak. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's all good. No, you're good. Um, before we wrap up, what are some of the things that we don't know that we don't know? Um, you answered a lot of that when it came to um, just teaching us about why it's the journey and not the destination and how it's not really a goal. It's more you know, going on the path. I think Jim Rome famously said, you don't become a millionaire for the million dollars. Just you become a millionaire for the person you become in the process. And so uh, what are a few of the things that we don't know that we don't know, aside from all the things that you've already taught us so far? Well, you know, because we're talking about couples and entrepreneurship, I like to share, you know, you know, when I look at people that divorce or get married and, and are not together anymore or struggle, you know, that struggle becomes everything. It's almost like you look at it, it's just going to always be there forever. And every struggle is simple. And so what we don't know is that our emotions make it a feel as if it's always. And hmm. knowing that your emotions make everything always and realizing reality is it's not, it's just a moment, that should help you make decisions based off of longevity and not emotion. And so I would say just make sure you know that emotions take away any logic and put everything into a life or death situation and you'll make decisions based off of that and it's not really there. It's not really true. There's no danger in disagreeing. There's no danger in being hurt by your spouse. There's no danger in feeling disrespected by your spouse at this moment. There's no danger in them calling you a jerk at this moment and saying it's over because of that. You know, so understand they're just temporal. And that I say that's what we don't know. We think that they last forever and they really don't. And we can get that through our head, we'll have longevity and marriages a lot longer. So you uh you said something real kid. You said everything is temporal. Um and and so I'm gonna selfishly ask uh for you know, uh, myself and then, you know, for all the uh, entrepreneurs that I, are my friends, um, we have kind of a war story. We talk about all our war stories and then we talk about how the stress of entrepreneurship is just, it's always there. So for uh, me personally and, uh, you know, for all my friends who are listening, uh, how can we absorb better and and i mean i know you probably said some of this but how can we absorb better the stresses of entrepreneurship because entrepreneurship is probably one of the most stressful things i've ever endured and i'm probably saying trigger words that i shouldn't be saying because i'm i can just see <laughs> i can just see you telling me justin that's not the way i'm supposed to be speaking so kind of help me walk through uh, what i can do to not be as stressed out about the entrepreneurial roller coaster and how i can re Format my mind, uh, recategorize the the way that I'm seeing. You answered that this morning for me. That <laughs> we were talking about my stresses and how I feel about <laughs> stresses. It's funny because we were. T this is the thing we talk about this stuff all the time, and and she's very practical. She teaches me what I teach, <laughs> so I kind of. <laughs> <laughs> funny how that works. Yeah, yeah. Funny how that works. Yeah, but here's the thing. I mean, you you answered your own question. I mean, so your question was, how do I talk to myself? How do I deal with my own stresses? Right. And so Sandy and I were talking to those. If you ask yourself, what would it be like if I had no stress? 
how would I feel? Amazing. You ask yourself that question. Okay, just find that. Like, how would it, what would it feel like if I had all the things, all those properties, you know, all the things done, everything that's happening synergistically, and it just happened. How would that feel? And if you can just resonate with that at least once an hour, go back to that emotion. Over time, you start feeling your void with that versus the stress. What it feels like not to have. And you got to have a balance. You got to, you know, reality is there, but you got to literally go into a space. It's like, you know, the whole concept of commercials is to infuse you with advertisement. So give yourself your own advertisement every hour of your life. You know, take a minute to see what would it feel like to have it all that I'm, I'm achieving? What would it feel like to not have this, to make these calls? What would it feel like to have it all taken care of? I have everything done as it should be. And then imagine what that is. Give yourself that moment every hour because you're going to be bombarded with all the little nuances. That's one thing you do. And like you said, you have your war stories. You guys talk. There's nothing wrong with that. But always end it with, but this is how it's benefited me. Yeah. And I think, I think that as an entrepreneur, the, the stresses tend to be, as far as the what ifs go, what if dot, 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 and it's usually Man, all the negative. What if the syndication doesn't go through? What if this doesn't happen? What if that person doesn't follow through? So the what ifs tend to be very negative, and that's what kind of festers in our mind. We don't even realize all the thoughts that run in our mind without us even being consciously aware of that. So kind of piggybacking off of what he's saying, it's, it's just having an exercise where you practice what if the syndication were to go through and feeling that emotion of, oh, my gosh, that would be so amazing. Oh, this would be a killer deal. Oh, I would love that. Or what if my husband were to da da da? Oh, I would love it. And by resonating with that emotion and that feeling, it's amazing what it does neuroscience in your mind. And in your your you talk about the brain all the time and the wiring of the brain. If we make that a practice where our what ifs are positive and just give ourselves the feeling of like, oh, that feels good, how naturally those negative thoughts, those fears, those worries, oh my gosh, start to diminish. All right. Wow. That was that was really powerful. Great interview. Uh, thank you so much, Julian and uh, Sandy, for a uh, powerful interview. I just um, I mean, I'm taking it back. Yeah, it was a really good, powerful message that was portrayed during that interview. And I know that our audience will benefit significantly from that. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, to quickly recap, uh, he, he said a couple of things that were really key. Um, He talked a lot about alignment, and I don't want you to get caught up on the fact that um, when he spoke, he talked a lot about marriages because in business and in life, specifically in business, so there are times when you have partners, there's Mm -hmm. times when they're general, and there's sometimes there's limited. Um, But all the same, there are partners, there's shareholders, there's stockholders, what have you. There's people that you have to, quote unquote, answer to, right? right? So... um, you know, it's it's really important to understand how you can align your values with theirs. And he talked a lot about alignment today. And mm-hmm. I think that was one of the key takeaways was how to create more alignment in the relationships you have. Yeah. It's not even just marriage. It's it's uh it's anything. You know, right. it could be your friendships, it could be your uh coworker relationships. It's alignment in values, alignment in goals, alignment in ideas, alignment in philosophies. So he hit on that a lot. I can't say enough how just floored I was when at the end he dropped such a huge golden nugget <laughs> when he talked about creating a commercial for yourself as if 
your life turned out exactly how you wanted it. Yeah, that was real good. Yeah, I don't want you to take that lightly. So if you don't do anything else from this interview, that one thing alone can set the stage for what could be the turnaround you need. Right, because it's so easy to talk about what can't happen. Yeah. I mean, we're just, we're we're programmed that way. Yeah, absolutely. And so to have that commercial to play for yourself the thing you can think about when times are hard you know being able to think as if you already have what you want that's powerful so we want to thank you for listening we want to keep it real when others don't that's the name of the game we want to actually show real life examples real problems real solutions real life real equity so we look forward to you joining us again next week yes see you next week thank you for listening to real life real equity podcast If you'd like more information on joining the Real Equity Club, visit the website at realequityclub.com. There, you will get access to the tools, providers, and ideas you need to create, grow, and maintain your wealth. Again, that's realequityclub.com. If you would like to ask the hosts a question or be exposed to our podcast audience, visit our website at realliferealequity.com and submit a request. Again, that's realliferealequity.com. Or send us an email at info at realliferealequity.com. Again, that's info at realliferealequity.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week right here on Real Life Real Equity Podcast.